my title of, of this lesson is God Calls a Prophet. And this lesson is you know, one that we've taught little kids multiple, multiple times. It's a story that we're all familiar with. But as you dig deeper into God's word, you find even more riches um, than this seemingly familiar story um, told to us when we were little or that we tell the young children. Um, so, faith cometh by hearing. Oh, I have it down in ESV, but I'm saying in King James. <laughs> it just comes that way. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Helen Keller once said, Blindness separates people from things. Deafness separates people from people. Sin causes a deafness that separates us from God and the redeeming, reconciling power of his word. My son hopes to become an otolaryngologist. I listened to that many times on YouTube. <laughs> Autolaryngologist. Probably better known as an ear, nose, and throat doctor. In his studies, he will learn that when the eardrum moves, the three middle ear bones vibrate, and this vibration creates movement, um, of the fluid in the inner ear, also known as the cochlea. The fluid movement causes sensory receptors in the coiled-shaped cochlea to send a signal along the auditory nerve. Yes, you, had, you didn't know you were coming here for medicine. <laughs> auditory nerve to the brain. And this is how we hear. Aging and exposure to loud noise may cause wear and tear on the hairs or nerve cells of the cochlea and send sound signals, uh, that send sound signals to the brain, which will cause hearing loss. In our text tonight, we will be looking at the loss of hearing of God's word which was caused by willful, blatant sin of the leadership in Israel. In this, in this sinful darkness, God's voice would be heard calling his prophet Samuel to bring his word to his people. In the Old Testament, the usual vehicle for God's word was prophecy and the usual instrument for speaking God's word was the prophet. Visions were one of the ways God communicated his word to a prophet, and as we see in 1 Samuel 3, in those days, visions were infrequent. It is God who calls into our darkness as well through his word being shared by his people 
to a world that hasn't heard and doesn't know him. That's why our theme for today is Jesus calls his people out of sin's darkness to speak his word into the darkness so that the world may know him. So in our first section, God's word is rare. Will God's word come to his people? It was very a very, very dark time. I mean, we've heard all about um, Eli's sons and how awful they were in uh, the way they served God in the temple. Will God speak? First Samuel 3, 1 said, says the word of, from the Lord was rare in those days. If the word of God was rare, it means that the word from God was rare. Though we did see a prophet in 1 Samuel 2, 27 through 36, come to Eli and warn him, God's word is rare and intermittent at this time in Israel's history. If the word does not come from God, there will be no word of God. Man cannot produce God's word. Only God can give it. Because of corrupt leadership, God's people were under God's wrath. Famines, barrenness were not to be part of the land God had given them. If they had been obedient to the covenant that God gave them at Mount Sinai. But the people were doing what was right in their own eyes. Judges 21:25. The absence of the word of God was a sign of the judgment of God. Just like famines and barrenness. God was withdrawing the light of his word and allowing Israel to wander in the darkness. They had done some wandering in, in the wilderness before they got um, to the promised land. Amos, uh, a later prophet, speaks of a time when there would be a famine of the hearing of God's word, and that's Amos 8, 11, and 12. The good news here, in all this darkness, the good news is here in 1 Samuel 3 that God is breaking his silence. He breaks his silence by calling young Samuel to be his prophet and speak God's word to his people. The primary purpose, says the, uh, the expository commentary, um, the primary purpose of God's dealing with mankind is to provide salvation and to nurture the growth of the good seed of the kingdom. God is proactive, controlling and shaping every outcome. We need to remember this. Even while Shiloh was being polluted by the priest's sin, the Lord was already at work preparing Samuel as his instrument for renewal among his people. 
God's word often comes in the darkness of night. In this passage, we see the lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamps, um, it was a seven-branch lampstand that you find in Exodus 25, 31 through 37. Um, this seven-branched lampstand was filled with olive oil and kept burning before the Lord from evening until morning. Um, and that's Exodus 27, 20 through 21. Because the lamps had not yet gone out, um, we know that it was night. But it can also mean that God's presence was still, though dimly, still with Israel. We see other description, uh, descriptive phrases, such as Eli's eyesight had begun to grow dim in um, 1 Samuel 3.2. That further gives a sense of a spiritual darkness here, as well as the physical darkness. We could even contrast Eli's dim eyesight with Moses. In Deuteronomy 34, 7, we read that Moses' eyes never grew dim. Samuel was lying down in the temp temple near the lamp of God and where the ark of God was. The ark was a symbol of God's presence with his people. And inside the gold-plated ark, were two stone tablets of God's covenant with his people and his demands for their obedience. This is the first time that the ark is mentioned in 1 Samuel, um, but it will be highlighted in a big way in next week's chapter. Um, the Lord called Samuel three times and each time he responded in a willing, obedient, um, a willing, obedient submission to Eli. We learn in 1 Samuel 3, 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. In Judges 2, 10, we learn that after Joshua died, all the generations um, that, and all the generation that he had led had died, another generation arose that, um, after them that did not know the Lord, nor the work that he had done in Israel. Fast forward to the final years of the era of the judges, and we have Eli's sons who are in charge of worship at the temple, involved in blatant sin and a, having a dis, disregard for God's word. In 1 Samuel 2.12 we read, And now the sons of Eli were corrupt, and they did not know the Lord. But even at this time, at the end of the Judges, God had kept his remnant. 
a small word here gives us hope. Yet. Samuel had did not yet know the Lord. The hope is that he will know the Lord. Now living in the temple and ministering to the Lord before Eli did not automatically turn on his spiritual cochlea to hear God. Growing up, going, um, going to church does not automatically make our children hear God's call on their life for salvation and service. Yes, we need to bring them to church. Yes, we need to be faithful examples of a spirit-led life. And yes, we need to teach them God's word. The problem in Israel, and here as well, is that they had not passed on the knowledge of God to the next generation. Deuteronomy 11, 19, they were given instructions. You shall teach them to your sons, talking to them when you sit in your house, and when you talk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. But we must remember that nothing we do or our children um, or what our children do guarantees their salvation. It is God who mercifully calls our children through his word. Let's be faithful in our calling of teaching his word and, and pray that God in his mercy will open their spiritual ears to hear his call. Samuel answered the first three calls of God in the typical way that the servant who hears, uh, uh, in the typical way that the servant who hears and obeys the divine call responds. Three words, and actually in Hebrew it's two. Here I am is a regular idiom, and it literally means, behold me. <laughs> what it literally means. Answer, uh, oops, and it is used for an expression of attention and readiness to respond. So I'm here, or behold me. Um, it is the same answer that Abraham gave in Genesis 22, 1 and 11, and Moses gave at the burning bush in Exodus 3, 4. And Isaiah will answer, yet in the future, in Isaiah 6, 8. Samuel didn't prepare himself um, for God's call. He, he was faithful with the grace that God revealed to him as he grew in favor with the Lord and men, 1 Samuel 2, 26. God prepared him at a young age to respond to the divine call. Eli, after being awakened the third time by Samuel, finally discerns that the Lord was calling the boy. 1 Samuel 3, 8. Eli tells Samuel, if he calls you, that... Um, then you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
The next section we're going to look at is God Speaks, and that's verses 10 through 14. This is the central section of this whole text. Um, the two outer sections, the first one being that, the, that God's word is rare, and the third one being that God's word is declared, point to this central section. For God alone is the source of his word. The fourth time the Lord comes to Samuel, it is not only a voice. The Lord makes his presence known. Then the Lord came and stood, 1 Samuel 3.10. The expository commentary explained it this way. The Lord came implies that previously Samuel had been aware of a voice originating from some distance off. Some people, um, some of the commentaries said perhaps from the, the Ark of the Covenant, um, but originating some distance off, and now there was a visible presence beside him, though there's no hint um, as to what form it takes. Um, this is the only place in Scripture where the verb stood has God as its subject. God was objectively really present. It wasn't a dream. Though God often spoke in dreams, this was not a dream. Um, it must have been both awesome and terrifying. Twice God calls Samuel's name in this fourth um, time showing the urgency and the finality like when the angel of the Lord came to Abraham and Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac and the angel of the Lord says Abraham Abraham or when God calls Moses from the burning bush in Exodus 3 4 and says Moses Moses or even in the New Testament, we find this when God calls Saul on his way to Dis Damascus in Acts 9-4. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Samuel responds to the Lord like Eli instructed him, though omitting the word Lord. Not sure why, but it's interesting to note um, one of the commentaries said that, that perhaps he was hesitant to use the divine name because they, they, they would change ink when they were writing God's name. They um, held with reverence God's name. So that, that could be an explanation. Um, the Lord word to Samuel was much like the man of God in 1 Samuel 2, 27 through 36. Um, in fact, you see the past tense as God is telling Samuel uh, the judgment that he will bring on Eli. Eli's house would be judged. The word of the Lord to Samuel was now simply that it was about 
to happen. The word um, of the Lord begins with behold, which uh, as the expository commentary says, draws attention to the importance of what is said. And you can remember, I'm sure you all remember Luke 2.10 where the angel of the Lord announces the birth of Jesus with behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. God is about to do something in Israel that will that in Israel at which both ears of everyone will who hears will tingle. 1 Samuel 3:11. This expression is used to show the reception of news that is frightful judgment. We also see the same expression used in 2 Kings 21, 12, and Jeremiah 19, 3. So it's not good news. It's not tingling good things. It's um, frightful news. Two indictments are presented here. Number one, his sons brought a curse on themselves by their actions. And number two, Eli failed to restrain them. The conduct of Eli's sons, as we saw in chapter two, was blatantly sinful conduct as priests and leaders in worship. Totally dishonoring sacrifices God had set up for his people to have forgiveness for their sins. They lost the meaning of the sacrifice by treating it as if it was a way to gain profit or gain extra meat to eat rather than to gain forgiveness. As Eli told his sons in 1 Samuel 2.25, if a man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? So even Eli knew how, how blatant the sin of his sons were. The offerings were offered to the, uh, the, the offerings were offered by the priest for their own sin and for the sins of the people. Because the sons of Eli had mocked the efficacy of the sacrifices, their unbelief made the sacrifices ineffective. Eli himself is complicit in their sin because he didn't rebuke him. Now, there was a weak rebu rebuke in chapter 2, but it was not a rebuke that restrained them from their sinful actions. Um, Eli should have removed them from being priest. Even if they weren't his sons, he should have removed them because he was the guardian of the Lord's sanctuary. 
their sin could not be atoned for by the sacrifice by sacrifice or offering forever wow that is severe judgment you have to let that sink in their sin could not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever we are in the same position outside of God's atoning work. That is why communion cannot be taken lightly. It re represents God uh, it represents Christ's atoning death for us. As believers we rejoice in remembering Christ's once for all sacrifice for our sins. Um so, uh, so that our sins could be atoned for. Even believers must examine their own hearts before participating in the communion. Unbelievers are forever outside God, are forever outside Christ's atoning work until God calls them from darkness to light through his word being spoken or read. The fate of Eli's sons is the fate of all who live in darkness. Our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, our favorite cashier. Without Christ, they have no hope of atonement. This hits close to home. God's word declared the final point of this lesson, and that's chapter 3, 15 through chapter 4, 1. Samuel had heard God's word, but that was only half the job of a prophet. God gives his word to be shared. Samuel lay in bed until morning, probably not sleeping much as the weight of God's word presses on him. He got up as usual and faithfully did his ordinary duties by opening the double doors that permitted access to the outer court. But Samuel was afraid to tell Eli what God had revealed to him. Eli was his mentor as he grew up in his service for the Lord. How could he tell him of God's judgment on his house? Eli gently calls out Samuel, my son, to which Samuel answers, here I am. Eli then firmly Invoking a curse, asked Samuel what God revealed to him. Actually, he doesn't say God here. He says the, just the pronoun he, um, but what God revealed to him. Eli already knew what the man of God had said. So he knew 
something that Samuel didn't know. He knew that the man of God had already come, and that and the man of God had said that judgment would come on his house. So in verse 18, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, um, that is, Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. What Samuel told him that God, uh, what Samuel had told him confirmed what the prophet of God had already told Eli. Although he does not show any repentance at his own failings and uh, that have been exposed now um, and that Samuel now knows, Eli accepts the Lord's verdict with humble submission. Eli is content for God to judge him. This is the first of many difficult messages that Samuel will deliver over the course of his life as God's prophet. None of Samuel's words fell to the ground. He didn't hesitate to give bad news. God was with him. The Lord authenticates his prophet by bringing about all that he tells him um, to announce. And so Samuel passes the test of Deuteronomy 18:21 through 22, when the people ask, how will we know it is a prophet from you? And if all the words come to pass, then it, it, that person is God's prophet. You may say in your heart, oh, I have it written here. <laughs> you may say in your heart, in Deuteronomy 18, 21 through 22, you may say in your heart, how will we know uh, the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if, things, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So from Deuteronomy, they knew how to decide who was a prophet of God. In verse 20, we see that all of Israel, from Dan even to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Now, these two towns, Dan and Beersheba, um, were the traditional limits of the promised land, Dan to the northern limit and Beersheba to the southern limit. And the expression, the expression meant all of Israel. So it's like saying all of Israel twice. God has now reversed the fortunes of Samuel and Eli. Samuel is now the center of the religious life in the nation instead of Eli. God appeared again at Shiloh. 
Samuel was there to reveal God's words as they were revealed to him. Samuel's words became synonymous with God's words, you notice, at the end um, where it just says Samuel's words. Um, because he was God's spokesman to all of Israel. And it is true for us as well. For the more we know Christ, the greater we realize our union with Christ. We are in Christ and Christ in us. We are his witnesses. We witness by using his words. In Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Just like Samuel was, words became synonymous with God's words. Our words needs to be synonymous with Christ's words when we're witnessing Christ. We are his witnesses. We witness by using his words. Um, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very familiar, um, great commission, Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God can reverse the neighborhood where his word is rare. God can reverse the workplace where his word is rare. God can reverse the family where his word is rare. Jesus calls his people out of sin's darkness to speak his word into the darkness so that the world may know him. Thank you.